0: Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jeff. And our guest today is Gary Puchkoff, who is the the guy for ZOS. The guy. I can't think of another way of describing you. I've, I'm given this some thought, and uh, th- there's no title that's appropriate. No title. Well,
1: I was asked once what my job was, and I said, hmm, I don't
2: know. I guess I'm I am ZOS. That's, I don't know how else to say it. When people start referring to other job roles as like the Gary Puchkov of this organization, yeah. that's that's your job role. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Well, and and you've done you've been kind of connected to almost everything, um, at least from from a BCP perspective, almost everything, right? In the in your time here.
1: Well, I would. Be careful not to characterize what I do as the BCP. That, fair enough, right? But um, which is base control program, mm-hmm. and uh, I've but I've been involved in many of the transitions of the operating system for the last twenty five years, probably right. Um, things like uh, the introduction of Zips and Zaps, um, you know, Z- WebSphere. I was heavily involved in WebSphere on ZOS. Um, and more recently, you know, we'll talk a little more about the ZCX, the container extensions. Hopefully,
0: yeah, and we definitely want to talk about that. Um, but I, it's just that I'm not a, a new person to the platform, and even no. it, and I remember uh, even when I started that you already had had uh, a fair amount of time um, in the operating system itself. So you've really right. you've really gone all the way through from the bottom all the way up, right?
1: Yeah, I worked for originally when I came to ZOS as an application programmer for a year or two. I came to ZOS and I went and dug into JCL, right? Jez and JCL. And uh, my first major contribution, I would say, was uh, defining the keywords for Jupyter for what we called systems-managed storage, data class, management class, and storage class. I can't claim... To have invented any of that. okay, <laughs> But I was the one who typed in those um, strings into the tables that were necessary to allow the system to support those keywords. And um, yeah, and then after that, I worked on uh, rewriting the MVS converter so that we could uh, introduce the if statement in JCL wow. and things like that and uh, include and... Lots and lots of stuff we added um about fifty enhancements to j. c. l and z o s sorry o s three ninety actually it's m v. s four point one
0: right. i was gonna say that's <laughs> so, uh, that that's pre o s three ninety yeah yeah that's old
1: but um yeah and then you know i i took a stint in uh in development tools building uh a tool that you know is uh Far from being uh, novel these days, it's called Case MVS or Case three hundred and ninety, um, and uh, and then I managed that group. What and is
2: what did case or does Case three hundred and ninety do?
1: It was a development environment and a language for uh, systems code. It was supposed to be, uh, let's say, the next thing beyond PLX okay. at the time. Right, um, the the world changed. <laughs> right, we moved in a different direction, uh, but we did develop, I guess, about two million lines of code with wow. the case tool, and uh, some things are still in it, like parts of workload manager, right? And uh, um, I think there are some pieces of DFSMS that are still in it. I'm not positive, but most of the most of the functions been re-implemented um, as PLX, you know, or C code, probably mostly PLX. But I, uh, I had the distinct, uh, uh, you know,
2: uh, look, uh, look at look how hard he has to get, work to not have the word pleasure or joy. I wasn't going <laughs> to say pleasure, but I'll say pleasure.
1: I worked with Frank when Frank was uh, developing a tool called the APPC List, and um, what I can say is is that he was far ahead of his time, and uh, I'm still developing APPC List. <laughs> With COSMF as we speak, so Frank, <laughs> you what said can a I high say? standard?
0: Oh, that's. Do right. I want to ask what APPC list is?
1: <laughs> Frank, why don't you tell us <laughs> what yeah. APPC list is?
0: Well, uh, APPC list was a a way of uh, looking at your dataset portfolio, okay, and being able to edit it. All right. So it was and then a, what? It was a GUI tool <laughs> on OS two. On OS2, oh. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. And uh, it used uh, APPC, which is a, a different communication protocol than TCPIP.
2: Okay. And this went over like wireless or Ethernet or something like that? It was over an SDLC, <laughs> four
0: four twisted pairs. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> that was a long was a, time ago. Was okay. Was, or two twisted a, pairs. I, I believe he said ahead of his time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hard to be behind it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So Frank set the bar pretty high in terms of, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. model employee. But that's that's pretty incredible. I mean that you knew Frank back when he was like doing stuff. What was that like? I, I worked with Frank not only at that point in time,
1: but then he was working on DSOM, right, right. And uh, I worked with Frank briefly during the DSOM project, which was Distributed System Object Manager, a predecessor to component broker, oh. which was a predecessor to WebSphere.
0: Yeah. Where would we be without you? No, let's let's not even think let's about think it. Let's think on this. <laughs> Especially with this crowd of people. I want everyone listening to know how outclassed I am right now.
2: Nah. No. <laughs> no nothing but love on this side of the table. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm feeling it. Hold oh, on, let I'm me go to the other side of the table. <laughs> Okay. Moving right along. How about these Z container extensions? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Z container <laughs> extensions. What is it?
1: Well, so we're delivering in the next release of ZOS 2.4, uh, a capability to run Docker containers directly in ZOS. So when we say that, what we really mean is S390X, Docker containers that are written for Linux on Z, right? And be able to run those in a ZOS started task, just like they were running in Linux on Z somewhere else. And what that does is it basically says that we can run binary compatible Linux code in ZOS. The focus of that would be primarily on things that have affinity to ZOS already. So if you were trying to do a DRDA uh, distributed db2 call if you run that distributed db2 call local to zos we have optimized networking and things like that even though it's written to a linux kind of model it's accessing it locally in zos if you then import it or run it in the zcx runtime
0: so is that the way you you see this is we'll be able to create a set of tools that are docker that are dispatchable in docker containers that will then leverage a lot of the internals
1: not as i think what we're looking to do is take the myriad types of applications that are available in the linux on z ecosystem and make them directly available in zos right so if you're a customer who doesn't have linux on z right uh, this would give you the ability to run that kind of work without having to go and create a linux Start a Linux uh, LPAR or set up a VM-hosted Linux set of L uh, systems. Right, um, it's running in a started task, so it started and stopped just like any other started task on ZOS. Fits into your operations model basically the way it is today in ZOS. Right, um, but the the applications themselves are all written directly to a Linux programming model without any regard for ZOS programming at all, right? It's all directly Linux consumable
2: code. Because I I can hear somebody already kind of grumbling about this and saying, like, I'm a sysprog and now I have to be a Linux sysadmin as well. And that's not the case. It's just another started task.
1: Right. So another aspect of this is, um, you know, if you're so, if you're hearing that and that's your, your response, you go, well, I don't want to run Linux. It's it's evil. It's you know, it's those other guy's thing. Right? You know
2: that people on the internet wrote that, don't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, those internet people. Um, what what you should think about is is you know you have a router at home, right? And your router at home happens to be running Linux inside it. It's an appliance and you're not a linux system programmer because you happen to have a router at your house, right? Well, the same thing is true here. We're going to deliver you a linux distribution in ZOS, right? Maintained with SMPE, okay? And it's a it's an appliance. It does linux things. It happens to be able to take docker images and deploy them in Docker containers, which makes it easy for people to use who are distributed and non-ZOS people. It also makes it easy for system programmers to do that if they chose to do it, right? On the other side, as a sysprov, you're not maintaining as like the Linux. You know, we won't, uh, we like the secure service container, which is another deliverable that we have, um, the Linux is an appliance and it's locked down to root so basically you just put applications in it and run applications you don't spend a lot of time manipulating the linux itself
0: so in this model uh i have all these uh docker containers as address spaces on z are they all sharing the same network i mean how does that work
1: well we would presume that what you have is you have uh, a handful of these docker of these you know zcx server address spaces they can run multiple Docker images or Docker containers in it. Um, so you make them as bigger, you know, memory-wise and CPU-wise as you need to to contain that particular workload. We wouldn't expect you to run one per cont- you know, per ZCX, right? Oh, okay. But you have a ZCX server, maybe three or four of them, and they run the workload, you know, that you've decided to put in there, right? Um, you define virtual CPUs for it basically uh, you can associate with workload manager a certain capacity of CPU you define the memory size that you want and uh, yeah and and then that's how it's kind of set up if you went into SDSF and looked at it it would be a big pile of memory you know and some dispatching some run code running and you'd be able to see the IOs and everything
2: else that it normally would show you And do these run using IFLs, or how does the licensing and placing go? That's a great question. Thank you. (laughs)
1: So IFLs still are not allowed to be defined to ZOS images, right? We have zips for ZOS images. And the ZOS, the zips act like IFLs when Ah. it comes to kind of the pricing, right? Because if you think about it, if we run this stuff in a zip, It's not going to affect your four-hour rolling average or any of your existing software pricing. But what it will do is um, give you a lot of horsepower CPU, right? Zips run full speed. Uh, They can be SMT2 enabled, right? Uh, And then for IBM software from a licensing perspective, let's say you um, took a product like Cloud, not that – were claiming Cloud and supported <laughs> yet, right? But let's say it was an IBM Cloud and you wanted to run it in here, you'd buy two core licenses of Cloud and let's say, and you'd define a cap of two cores in WLM for that address space, and that's basically how you would do
2: it, right? And that way, you know that those two processes are running full speed, dedicated solely for well, they're
1: uh, not necessarily dedicated to that, but you'll get up to two. Cores worth of capacity. Good distinction, right? And if you set the priority appropriately, you could end up getting you know two cores worth all the time if that was appropriate, right? We we you know normally in ZOS we're we're stingy and we try to hide you know the uh, uh, we try to reuse things for multiple purposes while um, still achieving your objective, right? Right. <laughs> right.
0: But that's kind of a big deal, right? Is that now I can um, I'm. I'm not tying something to to two cores that are just sitting there. Right. Right? I've I'm I'm giving you the two cores you need when you need it, but it's 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 much more granular than
1: Right. And and from a getting started perspective, most customers have a zip or several, right? And so you can set up a ZCX server, associate the zip with the ZCX server and basically not affect your existing workload, right? Or you can use WLM to apportion amounts of zip processing to that.
2: How is this even possible uh, in layman's terms? Because <laughs> yeah, we talked to the USS guys a couple of weeks ago about, you know, setting up like a politics compliant environment within Z how, how does how does this work? So,
1: um we We have – so if you're familiar with KVM, Uh KVM has a set of device drivers called virtio drivers, right? What we've done is we've um, hijacked the virtio drivers, kept the same programming interfaces for Linux to talk to and then in the bottom half of that, we, we remapped it to our existing operating system services. Uh, Because we're an operating system, we're pretty good at doing things like (laughs) virtualization, if you will, or let's say um, multiprogramming, right, sharing. So having a mapping between those virtio drivers and ZOS turns out to be kind of a really good marriage of the two technologies, right? We can dispatch thousands of KIX address spaces. We shouldn't have much trouble dispatching a couple 15 (laughs) uh, ZCXs, right? The other thing is, is you know, memory allocation. Our memory subsystem is really, really robust, right? So we can handle that really well. For networking, the networking calls come in through the TCP/IP stack in Linux, and then we route it through the ZOS networking stack, right? And when we do that, uh, we use an optimization called same host. It's the optimization that's used between address spaces in ZOS anyway. Right. And so there's a fairly fast cross memory transfer of the data. There's no adapter card involved or any of that. Right. Um, And then for file IO, right, we hijack all the file IO. So you're doing block IO writes in Linux and we grab it and we turn it around and read and write it to VSAM files. So the VSAM files um, have a format that's unique to ZCX. Right. So obviously, if you tried to read and write it with a ZOS, program, you wouldn't be able to understand it, right? Um, But we've – by reading and writing to VSAM, we take advantage of all the VSAM performance and robustness. So for instance, all of the ZCX-IO is replicatable just like any other VSAM-IO is. So you get automatic, you know, multi-site capability if you set it up that way for volume replication, right? right? Um, We also get encryption. Right through pervasive encryption, all the data comes in and it's encrypted and written, you know, and read and written appropriately. There, Um, yeah. So, what's so what was great about this is we implemented these VirtIO drivers, right? And we took a commercial Linux and effectively dropped it into the box, and it ran, (laughs) right, and without any changes. Mm -hmm. It's binary compatible, the same thing, right? When we took a Docker CE and we put it in there, binary compatible, the same thing. We take your S three hundred and ninety X Docker images, bring them over, binary compatible, the same thing. Okay, it's kind of scary. Okay, <laughs> that it's, it's so so kind of same. So right? clean, yeah. yeah. So the all the smarts are in this VirtIO la- layer that we built.
0: So, uh, do you see this as growing up? uh to provide more and more docker um capabilities or are are we looking at something that people will use instead of say a, a x86 environments or is it really something you see as as tied more to workload that's already there
1: yeah our focus is on hybrid workloads with already existing zos data or apps so if you needed to access like i said db2 data through drda you'll find it's more efficient if you're pretty much co-located right, right. uh if you're accessing zos you know um uh applications like kicks applications ims things like that so that's the the play that's there the other cases. so you know we talk about three areas right um Of kind of new applications. One is um, microservices, right? Being able to take, you know, Logstash or ETCD or something like that, deploying it in a container right here in ZCX, right? And having your Kix application or your batch, you know, be able to access that directly, right? Uh, They're doing it through REST APIs, just like those services were defined. It's socket based, right? But the sockets are locally optimized, right? The second area that's a big focus is um, IT management tools, right, like uh, um, uh, TAPS or SMU. Again, I'm not advertising that we'll have these things yet, but, you know, those kind of aggregation tools where today you run those tools on a Linux x86 and you have to have somebody who's not in your data center group, kind of your local group managing those, right? In a disaster recovery situation, they're probably not going to bring up your – your management servers <laughs> first, right? okay? And you may need your management servers in order to manage your system. Right. And so this gives you the ability to deploy those right on ZOS. You manage them, right? They're in an appliance. You don't have to be dependent on that other group, right? And then the third area is all those development kind of tool chains, right? You know, uh, while we've brought a lot of those over to ZOS, things like Git and Jenkins and, you know, and just the standard zillion of those things. And, you know, each week you read about two new ones, right? So, <laughs> uh, and whether that's, you know, tool chains or languages, right? You know, if somebody really wants uh, Golang, you know, that's available in the Linux on Z ecosystem, not really available in ZOS just yet. Um, and so those kind of things become uh, much more easily done, right?
0: So so do you see this as a blurring then of, of the line between what we would normally see in Linux? And and ZOS?
1: I would say it's a blurring of the line between what you see deployed for Linux on Z today and ZOS, right? Um, It's my hope that over some reasonable period of time, we'll be able to show you and demonstrate to you that running work that's related to ZOS data or applications is more efficiently done co-located in ZOS, right? That's the direction we'd like to head in. Um, so, that things today that you run out on x86 would be better off deployed directly in ZOS, right? Um, what, we'll about, what about something like, like
2: Liberty instances?
1: Well, that one's, you know, we have Liberty native to ZOS today, and it has a lot of quality of service advantages to doing that. And then there's Linux available in the X80, well, in the Linux on Z world, right? Which is really more of a vanilla port of that code. Um, you know, I think there's still going to be value in running the, the more native version of, of Liberty, for example. And I think in general, you'll find that after we get in the future, once you show something running in a container, let's say in Linux on Z right, in ZCX, you'll start to convince yourself that it'd be worth doing a more optimal port to the ZOS native side, right? And so that's the kind of pattern we're looking for where we can demonstrate the value before we go to the effort of porting it rather than saying, let's wait until we have it ported over and then we're two years behind everybody else. Oh, wow. Like Node, a good right. example of that, you know the guys that work on that are are working hard, right? Um, but the current Node level that's out in Linux on Z is much far ahead than the Node level we have on ZOS. Um, Java, if you wanted open Open JDK for Java, we don't have one of those yet for ZOS, right? So you can get access to these. Um, uh, Technologies that come out more rapidly, if you can get them a little bit more impedance match to to Linux today, and and that's what we're hoping to be able to help out with there.
0: But I won't I won't be able to. I I just want to make sure this is clear to people. I, it's not like I'm gonna have um, a Linux on in these a, uh, address spaces where you're running as root or anything like that. Right. At all. So
1: hopefully you know we'll. we'll Let's say, at this particular point in time, we think keeping it in an appliance form factor is the best way for us and for the customers, right? Where you don't have the need to be twiddling with the sort of dials as much, right? Um, it's possible that down the road we could have a bring your own Linux where you you know you can just have but we're not right now, the Linux that runs in here is digitally signed. And so it's not allowed for you to replace it with something else, right? Um, down the road, you know, maybe we do something else. We're, you know, it's, that's that's where customer cards and letters drive <laughs> us, right? We're 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 not, you know, looking at this like anything else. You know, we we try to be very responsive to
2: customers,
1: so we'd be looking for feedback
2: on that. And can I can I manage my Z container extensions through something like ZOSMF?
1: Well, yeah, so the way that you build a ZCX is you use a ZOSMF workflow. Oh, there you go. So we'll provide you with a workflow to create it and provide you with a workflow to remove it. We'll also provide you with a workflow to apply service and probably to do some diagnostic work, right? And maybe there'll be more down the road, right? And we would like to um, deliver provisioning workflows. So these are templates, we call them, so that something like – cloud provisioning and management can create these and remove them as self-service kind of thing. So, ah. you know, maybe on the our development systems, you could just go in, click on something, and we'd give you
2: your own copy. Um, you know. because Being able to do something is cool.
0: Being able to script something is really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Um, and you said something pretty important, right, is that what you're looking at is this would, in a development environment, be a way of Maybe helping people get started sooner, right? On, on, in this environment. Do you see uh, clients um, jumping on it as a development um, thing first, or are we really thinking that this will be a good production?
1: I think, capability? you know, like any techn- technology, we have to walk before we can run, right? So I wouldn't expect too many customers to say, oh, I'm going to put this in production the first day they get it, okay? Um, but we, you know we're looking at um, trying to make sure that there's a suite of products available both from IBM and from vendors and open source so that people will be able to run things pretty much right out of the box when this gas um, but you know like any big new project right we'll have to demonstrate our our ability to do that for people,
2: right? Where do you think it'll um, take place first? Like, obviously, we're going to put out some proof of concepts and show people what we're doing internally. But, like, what do you see in the field as far as customers who are saying, like, oh, I, I can't wait to do X, Y, Z with it?
1: Yeah, some of our um, sponsor users have pointed to, as I said before, the um, ETCD or yep. Logstash kind of things. Um, we have another one who's very much involved and interested in uh, deploying Kafka. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, you know, so we have some, some demonstration of that that we've done. Um, I'll tell you that uh, from, a, from a use case perspective, um, our ecosystem lead now, Joe Bastian, um, he did some work with CCX where he was able to bring some uh, analytics frameworks over into the container extensions runtime very, very quickly because um, you know, it was already available in the Linux on Z ecosystem. Uh, I will point out, and this is probably something that's important for your listeners, you know, just because something's available in Linux doesn't make it available in Linux on Z, right? So specifically, you know, we would love to be able to say that anything available in the x86 Linux world could just run right on Linux on Z and therefore run in ZCX. But, you know, if you've ported code, into the Unix system services environment, one of the challenges is ASCII ebsidic right? And <laughs> you mean another, you didn't solve that yet? Wait, wait, wait. Another <laughs> one is um, is uh, big Indian, little Indian, mm-hmm. right? Uh, things like that. Well, for Z S three 390 x or Linux on Z, the ASCII ebsidic problem goes away, right? There's nothing that right. that code needs to worry about because it's basically always running ASCII. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you discuss, talk to ZOS data or ZOS applications, you may have to concern yourself with ASCII Absidic, but you would have if you were running in Linux on Z anyway, right, or even in x86. The one that's a little harder is the Endian, right? We're still a big Endian Linux implementation. So that part of it is the kind of the rub now for um, porting code from uh, x86, right? Um, yeah, you know, that, that still is a, a challenge
0: yeah, but still uh, you you've got uh, quite a a bit of power here um being able to build stuff, create a helm, get it out in into that kind of environment. I should be able to run Kubernetes against some of this stuff, right?
1: Yeah. And you know initially we're not going to claim support for Kubernetes. Um, it's something we want to do, and we put out a statement of direction last month. About Kubernetes in our hybrid cloud announcement. So um, sometime, hopefully next year, we'll deliver a Kubernetes and an ICP compliant implementation of ZCX or ZOS container extensions. But um, like I said, you know, initially that's we're trying to just get the Docker part of it and the right. you know the the maintenance process and everything else kind of banged out. Right.
0: Awesome. Well, we're actually getting close to the bottom of the hour I actually already. have one more question. <laughs> it's more okay. of an
2: observation. But okay. uh, ZCX, if you were to play that in Scrabble, do you know how many points that would be? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have any idea. 21. 21, 21 points. Right. And that uh, the other highest one you could play in Scrabble, because uh, I'm counting ZCX as a, as an accepted word now, <laughs> is <laughs> Zax, uh, which is a hatchet-like tool used to prepare slate for roofing. And that is, that is only 18 points. So congratulations. Well, I'm, I'm glad I was able to help you with your Scrabble.
0: Uh, you know, I'm sure that work. was a main aim of yours. Yeah. <laughs> you know. All right. Now I'm done. Okay. I oh, really want to thank you, Gary, because this has been awesome. Hopefully you can come back. I'd love um, to. There yeah. are a bunch of other th- topics that a, a person – We could talk about Jazz 2 and Jazz 3. Th- it would be good to hear – You could come and talk about anything you want to talk about, Gary.
2: Especially with that voice. My God, that's an awesome voice. (laughs) An awesome voice. Thank
0: you. (laughs) But uh, thank you very much for coming for this one.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, It was a lot
0: lot less difficult than I thought it would be. I'll take that. I'll take that. (laughs) Okay. Old man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.